welcome to From the Rookery End. Uh, I'm David Cameron Walker. You'd probably be expecting to hear John Mooney's voice right now, but he's um, decided to have a baby and has sent me in his place. I'm, I'm stepping in, but the more familiar, comforting tones of Mike. And it's, I know childbirth is supposed to be painful, but I think it's probably preferable to an afternoon in Liverpool, which is where we are at the moment. Indeed, we are in the Dr Duncan's pub in the centre of Liverpool, warming ourselves after we... Uh, travailed the highways and byways of Liverpool City Centre to get there after the match and John has set us the task the unenviable task of trying to pick out six positives from that 6-1 humiliation at the hands of Liverpool he texted me right after the game and said Mike got a challenge for you like you say name six positives we've been walking we walked down from Anfield nice bracing walk clear our heads get a bit of oxygen into our lungs do you know what I reckon I've got two one of them is that the view from where we were was really bad, so you couldn't see the full uh, horror unfolding. I think the, re- the main big positive, uh, Amrabat, I guess, is a positive, maybe we'll come back to him. The biggest positive, that I, then I'll have done three, that leaves three for you, mate. Um, the biggest positive, I think, is that hopefully it will be a kick out the backside and it will be uh, a sort of line in the sand for some of these guys who think, right, we're seventh in the league, we've got 15 points in the bank, we're doing well, we're going to go and give, give Liverpool a decent game. Well, we didn't. Uh, we got our asses handed to us today, and hopefully that can, we can use that as a lesson, as a learning point, uh, and use it as something valuable, because it, it was a bad afternoon. And I, su- I suppose the last time we had a, not in terms of the scoreline, but a, a disappointing result, which, which was the, the Burnley game. There was a reaction after that. You know, Troy was angry after that match, and he clearly had words with the players. And you'd, you'd imagine the manager did too. And I mean, God, if he was angry after that one, God knows what he'd be like after that. Yeah, I think it. Um, God, we, we still need three more positives. What have we, what have we <laughs> yeah, that, that was me trying to <laughs> buying time when I'm trying to struggling to think of the, th- of the three positives. A couple, of, a couple of decent saves from Gomez. A couple of decent saves from uh, when he came on. Gomez got out of dodge, didn't he? Early doors. I think he could see what was on the cards. Pantilimon looked all right towards the end when he was yeah. saving many of the shots. But I mean, you can see how furious he was for the for the sixth goal in particular when he does all he can to parry the shot and then turns around and looks up and sees four statues in front of him not pressing the ball but I, I, I don't think we're going to get six Same can you five weak ones really though, isn't I think Jan Matt scored you know which is good for a goal at Anfield and a yeah. goal is never, never yeah. a bad thing is it I suppose but uh, I think so John that's as good as it's going to get there sort of three some at posi- best some vague um, some vague positives but I think Dave for me I thought the day was going to go kaput when we tried our quick kickoff. I know you didn't make it to the whole game, but what we did, um, how we broke... No, really no, I was at the whole game, actually. Yeah, yeah. Run, so you, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. talking about. We tried to repeat it again here, and I don't know what he called it back for. I think Troy moved before the ball, and therefore we had to bring it back. And that kind You know of you're struggling up. if you can't take the kickoff correctly. Exactly. Yeah. And then... Um, once that sort of uh, debacle had uh, righted itself, we got a, a, a chance to have a look at the, the sort of setup of the team, uh, and you could see Yanma in kind of like a central defensive role as part of a part of a three. Well, is that what is that what you think it was? Well, I think it, I think there was yeah. I think Yanma was playing there with uh, with Holobas and Amrabat on the. Uh, on the I certainly, the I mean, it, but I think that and maybe me asking this question highlights the problem. I don't think it was completely clear whether we had a back four or a, or a back three with the two wing backs as we've been used to seeing in recent weeks. Yan Matt and Holibas, uh, sorry, Yan Matt and Amrabat were very much on the right hand side, very close to each other. Yan Matt perhaps could have helped him out a bit more going forward in the first half, but obviously he had a lot to contend with going the other way. But on the other side, you had Holibas and nominally Pereira 
yeah. sort of in front of him but you know very rarely did he have any real option no. going forward other than a big gaping hole for himself to try and fill well, I don't think either Holibas or Pereira could do their jobs properly they weren't so they were sort of treading on each other's toes a little bit but I think Janmat had a really really difficult first half and we, we spoke in the last podcast about being confident about the defenders and that we would always be happy with whichever centre-back or whichever defender comes off the rank we're going to be we're going to be happy with them because they're going to do well and you thought if there's going to be a straight replacement for Prudel who I thought we missed really really badly I thought we missed his confidence and we missed his organisation and I think he's he always plays a, cap, a defensive captain's role if you like if, Special teams have captains, don't they, in American sport? And I think he's sort of taken on that mantle as the most just dependable. He just looks so at ease, and we missed that today. And he was replaced instead of Cabaselli, who I think is obviously a, a, is tall, a centre back, um, young, young, not quite as experienced as as Jan Mack perhaps, but he's is a, a, a more of a light for light replacement. Um, and just straight from the get go, Hi Jace, he we looked a mess. And I think you know, difficult. Let's, let's get this out of the way early and say Liverpool are excellent. Well, that, well, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, it's very easy after a 6-1 defeat to be down about yourselves and look at what we could have done better and where it went wrong. But were we simply just beaten by one of the best teams in the country today? They're top of the league now, aren't they? They're sitting pretty and they're, they're above Manchester City, they're above Chelsea, they're above Arsenal and, and we've heard a lot of praise for those sides in, in recent weeks. So obviously they're a great side. We've seen it with our own eyes today. They move the ball around uh, when they're attacking very quickly. They work the angles, they, they move and, and they do it with purpose. They're, you know, if, if, if you're a neutral, you'd have, you'd have enjoyed watching them to a degree. But Watford made it far too too easy so let's say okay let's put our, our, our flag down say Liverpool decent side obviously beaten by a much better side but Watford made it far too easy I don't think we'd be doing our job as uh, podcasters and, and um, as committed Watford supporters if we weren't critical of them today because I, I think they were poor and I think for the first time we need to look at, uh, at Matsari and say why did you not swap like for like let's have a Cabasele instead of Yamat who, who struggled certainly in the first half I thought he was all over the shop yeah, I mean if you've got a player like Cabaselli in the squad, and Mariapa was on the bench today, both specialist centre backs. I mean, why why are they in the squad if you're not going to trust them yeah. to play in their right position? All right, it's away at Anfield against one of the best best teams around, but surely you've got to have faith in your players to do the job. And I think by putting uh, square pegs in round holes like that, I, I I just wonder whether from that first minute, did we believe? Those players on that pitch believed that they generally had a chance of getting anything from that game today because I, I, I don't think they did. Well, I, I didn't very, very quickly and I thought that um, once the first goal went in, they were, we could, that could have been the fourth goal, quite frankly. We were lucky not to have been 3-0 down after, I don't know when the first goal did go in, but you know, could 5, 10, 15 minutes, we could have conceded almost at any time. It was, um, it was just a mess. It was, it was um, a combination of us looking all at sea and, and Liverpool increasingly getting, getting confident and, 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 pl- and passing through us at will. Um, and it's interesting you talk about square um, is it square pegs in round holes or vice versa yeah. same, same difference <laughs> and I just think that they were starting to see some people almost I got a bit annoyed with Pereira and Capu today I didn't think Capu in particular sort of um, had the impact on, on, the, on, on the game that I'd hope especially you think coming to Anfield, you're playing that's one of the best teams in the in, in the country. They're on fire. Someone like Pereira who's come over from Juventus, Capu, ex Tottenham. Um, these these are the games where you think right, you're going to have a chance to 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 to, to stamp your mark on the game, to have an impact, to show what you can do. And yet Liverpool, um, you know, all, all the talk on the on the bus on the way up there was. Uh, 
Uh, oh, Lucas at centre back. That will, you know, we'll we'll be able to hurt them. We'll be able to. We'll have a chance. And Lucas bullied. Uh, Walking the park for him. Yeah, absolutely bullied Troy and uh, Igalo all day, and didn't get a kick. Um, and they did close. I did notice that they closed down uh, Pereira very, very quickly. Whether they'd ident- identified him as a, as a threat or not, but he couldn't get the ball going at pace at all. Um, but that link between defence and then midfield and attack, that sort of linking up the phases, not happening at all. And I think I'm going to let Barami off the hook. I think he's limited in, 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 his, in his talent, but we use him for what we use him, which is running around, ratting, tackling, harrying, which he does. And I, I've watched Kapu, and if there's a ball, if there's a 50-50, he waits for, he's, he's, he's like, right, Barami will get that. And, and a lot of the other players, it's not just Etienne Kapu, but I think, right, Barami will get that. OK, that's his job. Um, that's fine, it's, he does the dirty work. But there's some other guys who have to do the link-up play. They have to do the, you know, inject a bit of flair, have a, show a bit of sort of creativity. But you have to work to do that as well. You can't just slope around the midfield area hoping to sling sort of 30, 40-yard passes and get the ball going that way. You've got to work to get it. You've got to work to, to, to get an angle, to, to beat your man, to, to earn yourself some space by, by actually fighting. And I don't think there was enough of that in, in a midfield. And, I, yeah, I just think Kapu sort of, he's in on, in on, he's sort of coasting a little bit after his excellent start to the season. Well, going back to what I said about uh, having character and belief that you can do something, I think Kapu is perhaps the, the greatest example of of our perhaps at times lack of lack of strength and character. You saw last season started the season really well, but when it when it when all started collapsing in the, in the second half of the season, Kapu, you know, was one of those players who chiefly went went missing. Yeah. Started off this season like a house on fire, banging in goals. You know, more license to get forward under under Matt Zari. But yeah. when the chips have been down, he is a player that doesn't you know turn up and, and drag the team through when perhaps he's got the ability to do that when he's on fire and he's charging around nutmegging players left right and centre he's a dominant central midfielder in a game like that today few and far between did we see him exert any influence on it at all yeah and yeah you, you want to see more from him I just I just want to see more more effort more desire more commitment and I, I made a few notes during the game I never make notes during the game that this is this is how it says it all yeah it was. but I've said you know who's got the guts who's got the desire and all right, we've all we've all we've all been in a lost cause, whether it's at work and you've got two minutes left to do something that's going to take an hour or whatever. You know what I mean? It's we've all been in that situation where it's difficult to keep to keep your head up and keep operating at, at a high level. But really, we're going to have we are going to have tough afternoons in this division. It's not we haven't we haven't made it. We we're in fi- we're in seventh place. We're on 15 points, but we sneak past Hull. We sneak past um, we sneak past Middlesbrough, which incidentally looks like a great result after what well, they've done. And at the time, we were happy just to get the get the points, and rightly so. It's a results 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 game. We're, we're in the Premier League. You're never going to turn your nose up at a, at a win. But they weren't they weren't great performances, were they? And then we've turned. Do they look different now? You look back on those three results, a great seven points, three clean sheets, and we were all very confident going into this game off the back of that, thinking, right, can, 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 well, you know, we had something to, to put our, you know, our hopes on and say, look, we've been solid, we've got a bit of a foundation here, can we step it up? Now, it looks a bit more to me like we've squeaked past two of the worst teams in the league, we've got yeah. a goalless draw with another of them, yeah. and... You know, one of the goals was an own goal, Michael Dawson, in the whole game. The other one was a, a worldie from Holly Bass, yeah. and obviously a, black, a goalless draw against Swansea. Yeah. We have got problems going forward. 
we, we don't have enough quality in the final third. We may have the quality players at times, but they are not showcasing their, their quality and, and the best of their ability enough for me. Yeah, I think we'd it'd be remiss of us if we didn't try and look at things that are, are not going so well. I will say that I don't care that we sneak past those those teams. I think we did what we had to do. Winning away at Middlesbrough, winning away at any place in the in the Premier League is is terrific, especially when you're not playing well. We got the go- we you know we battered Hull without battering them, without technically having a go a, a, a shot on target. I understand that, so I wouldn't change those at all. I think we got the results. That's all we have. That's still what we have to do. It's a difficult second season, um, and I still maintain that we we any point is a good point. Any win is a good win. But yeah, you're right. I think we we sac- we seem to have sacrificed that. Um, before today, we had three clean sheets in a row without having one all season and it's almost like we've sacrificed the attacking flair that attacking intent that's almost cohesive team approach to, to, to causing the opposition problems um, for, 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 for defensive now I understand that stripping things back and working working from the back and making sure we're solid and not conceding that's why we won those games we didn't concede and therefore we were able to go and nick it if we didn't have that if we, were, we obviously wouldn't have done it so I'm happy we did it but now Looking at the next run of games, where today was a free hit, we're coming up against uh, who have we got? We've got Leicester, we've got Stoke. Leicester, Leicester at home, West Brom away, and then Stoke at home. And these are games that we're going to really, you know, need need to get something out of. Is a bit a bit strong. Teams that are around us in the table. Yeah, they're the two, they're the game at the start of the season. We'll have put a little red dot to the, next to them, points. So we have to perform. And yeah, you're right. In terms of um, in terms of attacking intent, it's it's gone down the toilet, really, hasn't it? In terms of uh, yeah, we just uh, shots. We had some shots on target today, which I suppose is uh, there's a positive for you, John. We had some shots on target, which we didn't have um, which we didn't have last week. And I just for me, it's just it's so. I don't know what the opposite of fluid is. You're a, you're 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 a, you're a good you're good with words. What's the opposite of fluid? Well, we're, Solid. we're not. Yeah. We're, stodgy. Yes, yeah, stodgy. But do you know what I mean? We can't. We can't move. That we're not being able to to work through the phases. We're not really asking any questions of the opposition, um, and it is a worry. Um, we look a bit blunt. We look a bit blunt. We still haven't seen Pereira um, really impact himself on a game. Really stamp his influence. We haven't seen him. Um, and it's, but it's. it's there are little flashes, aren't there? There are yeah. moments. There, you know. Albeit we were five 0 down, and that's when. You know, Liverpool have got the cigar out and we start playing a bit of football, which yeah, yeah. makes it all the more annoying, really. But he, he can glide past players. He, he doesn't look very quick he, uh, to, to look at, necessarily. He doesn't like to, to knock the ball and run, run, run past the player. But when he's got the ball at his feet, he can dribble, he can glide past players, he's very balanced. Uh, and, he's, and he's got great technical ability. But you want a player like that, from, who's played in the Champions League final, we shouldn't forget. Yeah. We want to be showing it on a consistent basis, not when you know just a couple of moments when you're five 0 down, or when you're you know looking good when you're three one up against Man United or, or whatever. How many times have we said it already on this podcast? We've seen glimpses, and you just worry: is he going to be one of those players? Okay, he's he's playing in a side that's not um, naturally set up to, um, to to utilize him. Maybe there's quite a bit of pressure on him to to deliver. So. <laughs> Look, it, it was a really, really bad day at the office. I think when we've had a chance to watch it on Match of the Day, if we're going to be brave enough to watch it, and we can I won't make it back in time for Match of the Day, yeah, no, my no. four and a half hour coach journey. Yes, I don't look forward to. Enjoy that, DC. But um, yeah, it's just really bad day at the office. I think questionable choices in in terms of some of the personnel. It went wrong very quickly. It looked wrong very quickly. Um, we never really recovered. Uh, we made it far, far too easily for an admittedly good Liverpool side. I think I can end on one last positive, though. 
I think Amrabat did all right. I think he did okay. A podcast made by Watford fans and for Watford fans from the rookery end. Interesting, you mentioned Amrabat. I'll give I'll give that to you as a, as a positive. He's had he's had a couple of good weeks, and, and also to be fair to him, he was one of the only players that came over at the end to the fans and sort of put his hands up yeah. and said sorry, you know. We let you down today. On that, I saw some West Ham supporters complaining earlier in the week that when they, I can't remember which game it was, it could have been any for them, that they I think it was Everton, that's right, their players didn't come over and, and sort of apologise. And I get that after a hammering like that, they want to get down the tunnel, but it's, it's, it's a big thing coming up to, to Anfield. It's, it's expensive, it's, it takes, it's, a, it's your whole day gone. So he did exactly the right thing. He kept, Troy came and did his usual thing, gave his boots away, love him for that. Uh, Iggy came and did a little sort of clap. Um, but Amrabat came and literally put his hands up and said, look, and that, what that was saying was, thanks for coming, sorry that was a bit crap. And that, that's all it needs. The rest of them, I get it, I understand why they did it. I'm not going to lose any sleep over the fact that they didn't come, come and wave at me. I don't, I don't need that. But just a little raise of the hand. I'm perfect for radio, I'm doing it here. for, And just a little, little apology. But yeah, I think that, that showed, I think, how confident Amrabat is actually in some ways because he did get some joy out there today. He did, and that brings us back to last week and your son Arlo uh, familiar voice to the listeners of the podcast (laughs) this season uh, made quite the accusation didn't he He about the identity of uh, the person who sent the letter he did yeah on on last week's uh, Michael Parkinson we did put him under pressure to be fair we we talked to him about the letter and the forged letter and we we thought who might be behind it and he came out with Nord and Amrabat I was like crikey that was it was a bold move but then Last week we were driving in the car and in between sort of singing Metallica. He loves he loves a bit of his, loves a bit of rock and then he goes into the wheels on the bus. That's what it's like having a having a kid. But then he stopped and I know people are a bit dubious about when kids sort of play the funniest things. People think they're they're making it up for for likes and retweets and whatever. But it, no word of a lie. He stopped and he said, "Daddy, I don't think it was Norden Amrabat." And I said, "Oh, have you do you need to do you need to say something?" And he went, "Yeah." So after realising his mistake, Arlo decided to call a press conference. I've called you here today because I've got an announcement. I recently said Amrabat made the letter. I don't think he did anymore. I've changed my mind. Today I want to tell you who it really is. I think it was Stephen Burkham. I won't be answering... Any questions? I'd like to apologise to Norden and Rabat. Thank you for coming. Goodbye. So, on behalf of my son and I suppose my family by, by default, it's apologies to, to Norden and Rabat, but Stephen Perkhouse, eh? Another one out of left field. I don't know if, uh, um, if the EFL uh, sanctions can apply to someone playing in the Dutch leagues at the moment. I'm sure we shall find out. On a, on a serious, uh, serious note, though, about the, the response... From the club this week in the statement released, uh, what, what were your thoughts? I think it was what we'd come to expect from um, from Scott and the, and the Potsos. It was very clear, very concise. Um, it was swift and timely. Uh, I think the key takeaways from it were that uh, it's, it's Raphael, isn't it? Raphael Rivas, the, the the chairman, has a mysterious man who yeah. no one knows who he is or what he does. Yeah, this will be his legacy. We never will now, I suppose. Yeah, and you, well, what we we do, what we we know what he doesn't do, which is get proper letters from the bank, unfortunately. But um, so we know that Scott Duxby's taking over as as uh, as chairman. I just thought it was quite a classy, sort of sensible thing to do, and I think. Uh, 
more importantly than anything, I think they've judged quite nicely the, the temperature of the fans. They've judged what the, the fans want to hear. They want to hear that sort of reassuring tone that, they, that while they're acknowledging something happened, they've looked into it, they've responded in the appropriate fashion. There's been a personnel change. Um, and I think they're frustrated about it as, as, as we are as Watford fans. No one wants to see the name tarnished or, or dragged through the mud. They're, they're good at that, aren't they, the Pozzos? Whenever there's been times of trouble where you just start questioning them and thinking, oh, yeah, is this a good thing? You know, there's the whole, obviously, we've been through the whole Billy McKinley thing and, um, you know, there's been the, 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 the way back, the loans and everything. They always seem to get the tone right and, and they manage to pull it round. I think they're decisive and they're clear in their actions and I think if you talk to anyone in business or in anything you've ever done in life it's when you've made a clear decision and you've acted in, in confidence and you just you just go for it you're confident you're, and that's that's how they come across it sounds like they you know they wanted to put the, the that statement was to put the Watford supporters at ease I think it did that I think they will be um, tough opponents for the EFL if they if for the Football League if they're going to come up against them I think there are uh, a lot of issues that are in our favour if it, if it was going to get a mess into into a messy fight a, little, a court case or anything like that I think there's a lot in our favour obviously a lot going against us but I just thought it was um, representative and uh, indicative of a club that's in good hands. That's it's only a statement, you know. And, and words on a on a website are easy, you know. We could we've all written blogs in the past and uh, and so on and so forth. But it's important they did it. I think it was the right tone. They hit the they hit the right um, yeah they hit the right mark and, and they touched on the right thing. So we will find out now that they, obviously they've responded to the to the deadline that they had to. Um, to respond to that charge but obviously things have gone quiet in the press no one's bothered about it outside outside WD18 and I really I wonder if anyone was at the time anyway so nicely handled by the Pozzos hopefully will um, the outcome won't be uh, too negative if I was a betting man I'd say probably get a, a fine but I mean that's when you look at what happened to Bournemouth what happened to QPR both of whom have been in breach of Various financial regulations from think, the Football League over the last few years—they got a fine. That you know, it never comes to anything more than that. But, and know. we're miles off what those guys have been doing as well. This was a, this is sort of like a um, an admin. All right, okay. The headline sounds a bit a bit dodgy, but and it's, it is a bit strange. But ultimately, it's a sort of like admin clerical sort of whoopsie that both both parties are, are as culpable as really. So hope. As far as obviously, as far as Pozzos and, and Scott Duxbury are, are concerned, that's a line drawn under it. And the next, I'm sure, we'll hear is uh, of any possible sanction or punishment. And who knows? Maybe one day we will hear from Raphael Riva, uh, possibly in a future edition of Tales from the Vicarage, perhaps. Which leads me nicely onto uh, the next bit of the podcast. Uh, John has sat down with Lionel Burney, a familiar name and voice to, to all of you who listen to the podcast, ahead of the release of the uh, the fifth volume, I believe. Is it the fifth volume or is it the sixth? No, the fifth, fifth volume of, of the Tales from the Vicarage book. Excellent books. Uh, this one has got a, a cast of characters, as you'll, you'll hear about in the chat with, uh, with John, and also uh, the live event, which is taking place next Sunday on the 13th at the Palace Theatre, Tales from the, from, the, uh, from the Vicarage Live, which is featuring, I believe, uh, Lloyd Doyley, Tony Curtin, Clark Carlisle, and Tommy Mooney, if I'm, if I'm correct, and all of whom are also on the 13th. I don't know what time, but... In, at Waterstones in the town centre, they will be signing uh, copies of the book. So, without further ado, let's hear the chat between John Mooney and Lionel Burney. Lionel, it's the the seventh book we talked to you about. Um, you put one out every year since we've been doing From the Recommend. Uh, wow. And it's the, it's the f- fifth Tales from the Vicarage, which I always enjoy getting because um, it's, a, it's a book about Watford, which there are never enough of. Uh, and also, it's, it's a, they're, they're a collection of, of different stories um, this one has been written by how many how many people write, uh, contributed this this time? 
16 chapters by 13 different people you know it's a squad game it's a squad game john i mean it's not it's not important how many there actually are there's lo- there's loads and there's a lot of variety uh, there's you know there's somebody for every occasion we've got we've got people for you know the the, the wet windy night at stoke away and we've got people for a, a cup semi-final at wembley put it that way Volumes one and two were um, lots of people contributors. Uh, three was um, just you and Adam Leventhal. Four was just you yourself. And we're back to the say, say lots of contributors. Are there new and, and old ones? Yeah, there are. There's a few returning names. Quite a few people have written before. Simon Burnton from the Guardian, for example. Mike Waters from the Mirror. Both Watford supporters and uh, and, and journalists working for national newspapers. Uh, Ollie Wicken uh, and his uh, you know whimsical fictional pieces of wonder are back and there's some new names as well we've got um, a couple of foreign writers one of one of whom in fact Paolo Tomaselli an Italian journalist uh, has written before he he kind of shone a bit of a light on the Pozzo family a few books ago and he returns this time he's spoken to uh, Beppe Sanino about his period of time in charge of the team we've got Ciro Scognumilio who's written about the current head coach Walter Mazzari so a little bit of Italian insight into a couple of the key figures from recent years and I suppose looking at probably the most eye-catching chapter if you like uh, a journalist called Pete Jensen went to interview Kike Sanchez Flores about his season uh, in the Premier League as Watford's head coach and I found that a fascinating read really interesting insight and revelations really from Kike about what he thought of his year as it unfolded and to a degree kind of unraveled towards the end didn't it? Mm, yeah, because that's the interesting thing. You, you, Kike's very new. You've also got a chapter from uh, Lloyd Doyley, which is fairly new. Um, but he's sort of got that that chance to re- reflect on his time now. It's been over a year since he, he, he parted company with the club. Uh, but you've also got, and this one I think I'm most excited about, you've got a chapter about Tony Coton. Indeed. Well, that's one of mine. Yeah, Tony Coton, arguably. I think if you were to... Uh, certainly if you're of a certain age and you remember the 1980s and somebody said to you, can you name your greatest ever Watford 11? Tony Coton would be literally the first name on the team sheet. Number one, uh, TC, I think. Um, probably the finest goalkeeper to have played for Watford. You know, we've had some very good goalkeepers over the years. And when you look back at the number of players who've won the Player of the Season award, for example, a lot of them have been... Um, the, the men between the sticks and and in fact I was looking at when Watford have had players in the PFA player of the year team of the year regardless of what division um, we're in you know a lot of Watford goalkeepers have made that Tony Coton David James Kevin Miller Alec Chamberlain over the years and just looking at the collection as a whole everything kind of touches last season and the Pozzo um, ownership in general uh, although there are a couple of historical pieces everything is 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 trying to put the, the current into some kind of context and the reason I spoke to Tony I, I suppose it started because I just thought about Jurelo Gomez and, and what a fine season he had last year and the fact that he won the player of the season award and you know Tony Coton was and still is the only man to have won Watford's player of the season award three times and he's a, just a great talker he's got a real interesting perspective on on the 80s as one of those players who didn't create that upward momentum he joined the team when they were kind of at the top you know they were they were established in the first division under Graham Taylor and he came in and kind of improved them really there's one chapter though uh from reading what what's going to be it's a little scary and it's one where the Pozzos didn't take over Watford Uh, this is another one of your chapters I believe 
It is, yeah. Sliding Doors, it's called, um, with a, a, a non-so-subtle nod to I think it was a Gwyneth Paltrow movie it was, it was, uh, yeah, um, yeah it was a slightly worrying reference there don't let that put you off uh, <laughs> readers um, yeah I just tried to because I, I really enjoyed last season and um, I, there was so much about it that was absolutely great even at the end when things were not perhaps as uh, you know it, it, the, the thrilling roller coaster ride was slowing down a little bit. Um, the league form evaporated, didn't it, in the spring? And and there was a, there were a few mumbles and grumbles. Certainly, I mean, I sit in the upper Graham Taylor stand, so you know you could say there's a, there's always mumbles and grumbles up there. But um, <laughs> um, there, there was a sense that um, the momentum was being lost towards the end of the season, and and all of the cliches about yeah. the, the the focus being on the cup. And I know you've talked all about this. You know, would you rather have the cup run or the, uh, um, you know. The, the Premier League success but there were still some really fine moments in, in the running I'm thinking you know the, the very late comeback against Aston Villa and uh, Gomez double penalty save at West Brom you know in, in any season these would be fantastic moments and I think we we were we were a little bit spoiled by the autumn and, and the reason this chapter sort of uh, came to mind was I just started imagining okay yeah this this is bad this performance against whoever is is terrible I mean the, the league game at Arsenal was was pretty mm. woeful it was spineless and gutless and all of those um, other phrases we, we were out of the match before it even started but I thought it's still better than some of the stuff we we've watched over the last 10 or 15 years so uh, you know I, I was thinking grasping for a bit of perspective and I so I imagined a fictional scenario in which Lawrence Bassini during the period when he was trying to sell on the club met Gino Pozzo at the Harvester restaurant in Croxley Green roundabout there and they had a they had a very expensive meal there and they were they were about to do the deal um, but Gino saw Lawrence Bassini spooning Thousand Island dressing into his mouth and thought, you know, this is this is not the club for me. And he he decided to go for Charlton Athletic instead. And so we imagine what the last four seasons would have been like had the Pozzo family not taken over Watford. And um, I don't want to spoil too much, but right. it's basically a relentless downward spiral. Um, and uh, but there is a happy ending. There is at least a happy ending. But I think we, you know, we all we all we all wonder don't we you know what what might have happened the club was you know in a really difficult spot we would have been you know there's no nothing to say we'd just be bumping along in the championship that's for sure it, it could have got an awful lot worse couldn't it oh mate yeah the the, the horrors that you know you sort of maybe you know because we hear the odd thing here there and everywhere um maybe a little our brain sort of make it even more horrific um, but it, it 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 never felt like we were going to be prosperous for a good few years, um, you know, if if anything really. No, but it's a it's a that particular tale is a, a an attempt at a sort of a humorous. Come on, chaps! It can all be uh, it could all be an awful lot worse. So let's try and enjoy the the you know the, the the sun on our faces while the sun is shining on our faces. I guess. Absolutely. So um, there's a, a live event. I think it's your, I want to say it's your fourth live event. Oh gosh, testing me now. The mm. live events are the the mastermind of Adam, Adam Leventar who puts together the show, hosts the show seamlessly. I mean, I'm never. I'm often standing in the wings, just marvelling at kind of 
how he manages to keep all those plates spinning while I'm just sort of nervously expecting something to go wrong and it never does um, and this show I hope will be no different I think there's a, uh, a great lineup and it will be another great evening and it's the next international break November the 13th it's sold out of course so yeah. I'm not I, unfortunately just and I'm speaking out loud unfortunately no tickets available but we I might try and get a recording of it out into the public domain somehow they are they are lovely events so you know um i've been to a few and they there's a lovely warmth and love about watford in the room and it certainly makes you a Watford fan as, as you leave you, you know you feel like um yeah anything can happen and um don't we support a wonderful football club I think that's the aim, really. It, it, you know, ev- all friends together, 600 people all in the same room who are all connected by red, black and yellow. And, um, you know, th- you know what's not to love about that? And, you know, the ex-players who come back and tell the stories with, you know, a, a lot of warmth and a lot of humour, um, you know, they're not playing to a tough crowd, let's face it. But, <laughs> you know, but the, the, the kind of the, um, the goodwill in the room is, you know, is uh, never less than kind of spine tingling, really. The book's available, isn't it, from uh, talesfrom.com? Talesfrom.com slash Watford if you want to go direct to the page to order Volume 5 or, or pick up one of the other volumes if there's one missing from your collection. Um, yeah, five five of them now. Amazing. Yeah. I'm just blimey. My, my, I, I'm going to have to get a new bookshelf in a couple of years, Lana, with all your Watford books. <laughs> well, you've just moved house, John, so presumably <laughs> you've got some kind of Watford library. You've managed to, it's getting uh, there. you know, Watford-themed study. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pushing for that uh, one step at a time uh, I'm making some concessions in terms of wall colour uh, in the in the dining room maybe to get some more Watford things on the wall <laughs> marvellous uh, yeah I'm just imagining you know something like the the 1986-87 shirt just yellow with a kind of dado rail of red and black maybe <laughs> it's worth putting to the management see if you can get away with that I'll, uh, I'll, I'll see if we can catch her on a, on a, on a good moment <laughs> Thank you very much, Lionel, and uh, can't wait to, to read the book. Thanks very much, John. That was Lionel Burney uh, from Tales from the, from the Vicarage. Uh, looking forward to reading that book, and I'm, unfortunately I'm not going to be at the show uh, next Sunday, but I've, I've been, I went to the very first one, actually, and it was a fantastic evening, so if you're lucky enough to have got tickets for that, uh, uh, enjoy the evening. And I'm, I'm glad that Lloyd Doyle is up there, because he is one of my favourite Watford players of all time, possibly my favourite Watford player. I, I always have number 12 whenever I play football for my Sunday team I specifically chose number 12 in honour of Lloyd Doyley yes my favourite's TC I love Tony Cohen I used to live next door to my nan did he really? Was he, what did your nan say about him? Was he, he struck me as he might be a bit of a problem neighbour, a couple of late night parties? Or? Uh, I think they, they lived in quite a genteel neighbourhood in Bovingdon. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there were any real problems. Okay, right. Well, yeah, well, that's good to know. I'm glad that he was a fine, upstanding neighbour as well as a fine, upstanding goalkeeper. But yeah, these events are always terrific. Uh, we say it a lot on the podcast, but it's just another little offshoot. Um, I know that the Tales From guys are, are doing these with, with Norwich and Sunderland as well, so we're not unique in, in, in that respect. But it is another lovely, lovely event. Um, I know that people have been to them, uh, blown away by them. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a great chance to sort of hear from, you know, not to put too, too fine a point on there, and they're our heroes. And, and hearing from them in that sort of environment is, is massively enjoyable. They're relaxed, the crowd's relaxed, you can have a few beers, um, and you're, you're guaranteed to hear some stories that you, you haven't heard before. Great that it's coming up this weekend, because obviously it's an international break, so it's nice to have some Watford-related goodness to, uh, to enjoy over the weekend, and hopefully we'll be there as a, as a podcast doing a few bits and bobs as well. So we'll try and bring you a, a bit of a flavour from Trails from the Vicarage live. 
So we are, as it stands, uh, unless, uh, I don't know what the score is at the moment between Leicester and uh, West Brom, but we could be ninth, at the moment we're eighth in the Premier League going into the international break, which I think we all would have taken at this stage of the season. Eighth into the second international break you know, is, is a good result for us, despite the obvious concerns from today. Absolutely, no doubt about it. I mean, we have to get today out of our system. We're not going to skirt around it. We've been absolutely mullered. We've talked about it already. We're not going to, we're not going to rake up old, old ground, but we need to deal with that. We need to get it out of the way. But, yeah, eighth is eighth, ninth in the Premier League. Top half in the Premier League at, at this stage of the season. Pretty much the quarter, quarter mark is, um, is great. It's where, kind of, I don't know whether it's where we think we should be or where we want to be. It's certainly where we want to be, isn't it? And, OK, today's drubbing aside... We're doing, we're doing all right, So, but now comes a bit of a test. We've had our free hit today, we fluffed it, three, we, we, we struck out, um, but what have we got next? We've got Leicester, which yeah. is a, another... Champions, team. no less. Well, it, it doesn't get any easier, does it, really? Because they, although they're having, a, they're having, a, having a, a, a tough start to the season, their away form obviously has been, has been poor, um, but they will provide us with a challenge. We know about the talent. Everyone knows about the talent Leicester have got. They've been shorn of some of, uh, you know, Kante's gone, but they're still, they're still a tough side. Um, and I think that is going to be a real, real good test. I think it would have been a good benchmark anyway, because um, we've been a bit up and down. You know, we've had the highs of uh, Manchester United, the sort of fun and frolics, if you like, of the Bournemouth game, which was, was a great game of football. We, we just enjoyed that for what it was in ter- instead of looking too much into it. And then we've had the... Um, the sort of attritional games with Hull and Swansea and, and Middlesbrough and then the, 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 the absolute trouncing at Liverpool. So that was always going to be one for me where we could sort of just test ourselves, really. It's going to be a really interesting one where it could go either way and you wouldn't necessarily be surprised if we lost, wouldn't necessarily be surprised if we won. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a good one. So another opportunity for these guys. We asked earlier, have they got the desire? Have they got the guts? It's not a Liverpool, it's, it's, they might be the champions, but it's not a Liverpool, it's not a Man United, it's not a Man City, it's not why these guys joined the Premier League to play Leicester City. So it's going to be a challenge for them. How's Matsari going to get them to bounce back? What's, what's training going to be like? Could, you know, and one of the things I wanted to mention was injuries. I don't, and I don't know what the answer is, so I'll just throw it out there and perhaps um, if you want to let me know what you think, let us know what you think. At Watford Podcast on Twitter. Um, but yeah, we seem to have a few more injuries. You know, we've Jan Matt suffered, uh, Pradles out at the moment. Gomez went off today, so I don't success, got, of course. Yeah, and uh, Akaka um, is is struggling as well. So all of a sudden, our defensive options and our striking options have been sort of um, limited. And I, I just we didn't have that last year. And I no, wonder we, we had one of the best records yeah. last year. You know, we were, we were lauded for the way that we treated our players off the pitch. There's a lot of stuff in in, in the, the press. Uh, points last season about the, the cryotherapy chamber yeah. and all that stuff but injuries happen I suppose you know some are some are avoidable muscle strains and stuff you know you can work on but if they're contact injuries in games not much you can do about it but I suppose the international break gives us the chance to, to get someone like you know as we would discuss how important Pradle is to the team and how much we missed him today but success yeah. is absolutely crucial in my eyes because we are blunt up top at the moment uh, Igalo is woefully short of form and confidence you know if you if you cast your mind back to a year ago pretty much when we played Liverpool at Vicarage Road and Gala scored twice he was an absolute battering ram he, everything he was he was controlling everything he was turning players everything he hit was going in now he looks a completely different player and you know I think 
the performance we saw from success at Middlesbrough, the cameos he had before that against Manchester United and other teams, he's got to play because he gives us that option. He gives us pace, he gives us you know skill, he's direct, and you know hopefully he's back and he'll give the Leicester defence something to think about. Yeah, totally agree. Everything you said. I mean, I think going back to the injury thing, you could say that perhaps Kike was too soft on them and was training too taxing. Has Volta taken it too much the other way? We'll never know. But yeah, but it's interesting hearing you talk then about Isaac's success and Akaku and and Ferdal and we have you know they are key key guys we've been out sort of been without and Jan Matt was coming into his own when when he got injured. So we have had a bit of bad luck in that sort of in that sort of um, side of things. But Leicester, I think we're going to be coming back hopefully with a full full uh, bill of health, a uh, clean bill of health. We need to get we need to get this one out of our system, and the best way to do that is 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 is, is, a, is a win against Leicester. Then we've got um, West Brom. They're going to be scrapping for their lives, so that's going to be sort of back to the you thought the more attritional game. It's not going to be pretty. Not going to be. Um, uh, I don't think Berahino's in the team at the moment to miss penalties for us <laughs> this year, though. It's it's unlikely to be on first first on match of the day, regardless of uh, a number of penalties missed, isn't it? So. And then Stoke. So they're all beatable teams. Well, they're resurgent, though, at the moment. Yeah. So, I mean, they had a bad run, but they've, they've won, I think they won something like five in a row. They, they got a draw against West Ham. You know, Joe Allen's been playing really well. The, the front players are starting to do well. Yeah. Uh, Bojan scored a goal yeah. yesterday. So that'll be, that'll be a difficult game for us. We want to be an established Premier League team. We're playing three established Premier League teams. So they all offer something different. So I think it's a fascinating little clutch of games. They're not ones that you're going to um, squeal about when you see them, the fixture list come out, but it, from a footballing perspective and from a, a barometer point of view and as a litmus test for where Watford are, how many analogies can I create, can, uh, phrases can I squeeze in? Um, you know, just working out where we're at. Are we, how close are we to being an established Premier League football team? I think this little tri- triumvirate of games will, um, will go a long way to showing that. I want to see better performances than we've seen in recent weeks. I want to see us tight at the back and I want to see us um, creating more up front. I want to see more from Pereira. I want to see more from Etienne Capu. Um, yeah, that's my sort of early Christmas week list. And we want Troy's 100th goal as well, yes, don't absolutely, we? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I think I was thinking about him today. He sort of had a snapshot today and I thought, well, is he going to be pissed off if that goes in? Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. his 100th. You didn't want him to score it. You don't want his 100th to be the, the, the second in a 6-2 defeat. Yeah, exactly. So, a chastening day today. What I would say is that it's, well, the football was tough. It's been a brilliant day. Dave, we've been together for a large portion of the day and we've met a lot of Watford supporters, many of whom have come up and, uh, and said they enjoyed the podcast. So thank you if that was you. Um, lovely to meet a lot of you. But m- turning up in a city four or five hours away from home, seeing little glimpses of yellow, yellow shirts, scarves, everyone coming out of the pub, it's magnificent. And that is what football really is all about. It's days like today where there's, you know, en masse away from home. It's great. That's what, that's, you know, I'll just... You'll always take happy memories from a, from a, from an away day, and this is no different. So all, we've got absolutely pumped. It's been a great day, uh, and we've got three uh, three good games to look forward to. Can't wait. Well, I've, I've enjoyed the day despite the defeat, uh, as you said. Although the, the thing that I, I take away from it is that I've, I think I should stop coming to to Watford matches in your company, Mike, because every time I do, something terrible happens. The last two times um, was the semi-final at Wembley against Palace and the Sheffield Wednesday game in the last day of the season in the championship season which we famously fluffed in, in the last minute so I think it, it's probably down to me I'm afraid it would explain why we drink half a bottle of gin each before, uh, before every Watford game that we watch together though wouldn't it it's nothing to do with you Dave if they stick to what I just outlined defence and attack <laughs> no more injuries and play really well we'll be absolutely fine well Mike thanks for having me 
Uh, I hope I've done a good job. And uh, we'll have John back with baby. Yes, yeah. Well-timed baby. Uh, having a baby in the international break. Was it deliberate planning? Absolute precision planning from Mooney, as, as always. Super stuff. So, yes, good luck to, uh, uh, to John and your newly extended family. Thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, get in touch with Watford Podcast on, on Twitter, uh, Facebook as well. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram. We're, we're Watford Podcast on there. Um, been a huge uplift in the amount of people getting in touch this year. It's really great to hear from everyone. You can help shape us. It's helped uh, let us know what's working, what's not. So do get in touch. Um, and, yes, onwards and upwards. Come on, you on it.